Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, the final hour is here on this Wednesday edition. OutKick 360. Show has flown by today. Across the OutKick network, 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Come hang out with us, grab a drink and some tacos. White Duck Taco Shop while you're here, Daddy's Dogs, and much more. 6th and Peabody, downtown Nashville, the next time you're in Music City. Random question for you guys. Watching HBO Real Sports last night, they had a piece on two guys in the UK that have invented a jetpack. Different forms of a jetpack where they believe that one of the next extreme sports will be racing in the air with men on jetpacks and women. Racing each other NASCAR style in the air. And these are two just individual inventors. They don't share their information because they're trying to beat the other one with their prototype. And uh, it shows them flying on these jetpacks, but also shows all the trial and error of them hurting themselves badly, crashing and burning, trying to get the engine right. And this one guy actually has engines that you put on like gloves and you can maneuver yourself like Iron Man through the air. With the engines and it's fire coming out of it, and you're <laughs> you're turning and you're going different directions and all, all these things. What level of security would you need? How many years into a jetpack program would you need to be before you put one of those bad boys on and decide to fly, try oh, to fly through the air like a bird? I, I'm gonna wait until we know it's safe. But this story pisses me off because we're jumping to racing. Let's get to transport. We got traffic problems. Yeah. I want a jetpack to be able to get from here home and from home to the Titans. I don't want NASCAR jetpacks. I want transportation. I, Go the regular cars, then do the race cars later. I'm with you, Paul. The first thing I thought was this is what they're doing now with drone delivery and how they can make that happen. If you could have some sort of similar function for humans – to be transported that quickly somewhere through the air over everything, it would be extremely terrifying. Now, I'll be tempted to do that but it would be, because it would I want to get be, over a traffic jam. It would be freeing if you were just flying over the interstate and heading home you know, not that far above car level the whole way. That'd be pretty cool. We do for that. By the way, we're way behind on uh, time, transport, and uh, jetpacks. Way behind. They're, they're 10 years away. They, they both acknowledge we're 10 years from really getting to the level that we'd be comfortable rolling out to the public. What about time travel? Where are we on that? I don't know. Is, is, are there any initiatives going on with time travel? I don't know if anyone's know. really out there trying to make that work anymore. When Simon was a younger dreamer, that was what he was going to do, time travel. But I'm not hearing much about that now. It reminds me, you bring up Jetpack. I can't find the lyrics. But Tim Wilson... The late, I believe he's the late Tim Wilson from Bob and Tom Show, who had the song. Uh, it was right after, it was like 2010 or something, maybe right before that. But he wrote this song about growing up in his era. He's probably, at the time, he's 50 or 60. 
And he had all these questions were answered. And he goes, I just have one more. Where the F is my jetpack? <laughs> <laughs> you that's promised good. me all these things. Where is my jetpack? Well, the first ever. <laughs> that's great. I waited I'm, this long. The first appearance of a jetpack was in a James Bond movie in, I think, 1966 with Sean Connery, where he used a jetpack to get away from a villain. And the first time that the public really saw the jetpack was, I think, the first Super Bowl. There was a guy on a jetpack that did something that flew around the stadium. That sounds familiar. The halftime show. So, have you guys seen the? the it's on its it, way. It's a. It's not a jetpack. It's one of those water powered deals. Yeah, yeah. And the, the the news anchor is doing like a live hit on the lake or somewhere. He's going crazy. And they're like, "Hey, coming up this morning, we've got so and so, and we're gonna we're gonna check out the jetpack or whatever they called it." And this guy takes off, and it, he, 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 I guess he throttled too low, and it just nose, he just, he just dove nose first straight into the lake. I haven't disaster. even seen it, but the description is cracking me up because I can imagine it. It was a live promo. Coming up in two minutes, and we're going to be live on the lake, and just bam, he just nose dives. We're out right? here on Lake Lanier today. It's a beautiful day for jetpacking. We'll be back with the weather after this. <laughs> straight into the water. Uh, today was not a great day for the Tennessee Titans oh. against the Arizona Cardinals in a joint practice. Um, the The offense was not sharp, and that's be, that's me being polite. It was a disastrous day. We're not. You don't really feel like much was accomplished, Paul. Like I, I Chad, I, I I would describe it as going into the week they knew they were not going to practice tomorrow against one another. I bet Vrabel would love to practice against the Cardinals again tomorrow. Based uh, on the result of today, yeah, I, I can imagine the, the entire offense would uh, would want that for for Tennessee for sure. I mean, it's just penalties, drops, miscommunications, and uh, you know the Cardinals were throwing some blitz stuff at them that they they weren't ready for. You've got to adjust to that in the moment, following the rules that are you know prescribed in your head with every defense that's called. You don't often have to do that. This is what they were saying, kind of saying, don't overreact to this one thing. Tannehill and Luan said that, and Vrabel kind of concurred. You know, that you don't. (laughs) Luan said, guys, today was not the Boston Massacre. He's (laughs) like, I don't need to. Let's not cast it. Yeah, I know my history. Today was just a practice. We only (laughs) went about, you know, we only practiced against him for about half the time. It's not that big of a deal. It was not the Boston Massacre. It's great. But, I mean, if you're looking for film. We've seen disaster out there. That (laughs) wasn't it today. If you're looking for. Let me tell you. If you're looking for tape to break down and say, like, all right, when this happens, we need to be ready for X, Y, and Z. They got a lot of that today. Oh, yeah. If you're looking for light at the end of the tunnel or uh, look on the bright side, the optimist, yeah, they got a lot of corrections, and that's a great thing, that they can go on tape and see things they haven't made mistakes with before. Um, You know, the the backup receivers, though, continue to be fairly consistent. They need their starters to play like starters. But Nick Westbrook Akine, they've got uh, Mason Kinsey, who always he does just day, enough too. to get his name mentioned, and that's a compliment to him. He's in the mix, even though he's a practice squad guy. He's in the mix always. Um, beyond that, uh, maybe some uh, Destich Patrick had a couple of catches today, but again, yeah, nothing miscommunication. Nothing, too, yeah, the, nothing consistent from him. Uh, Kyle also, Phillips uh, had a couple mistakes, and he dropped some punts today from Ryan Stonehouse, his own own punter, the the rookie who's competing with Brett Kern. But Phillips is legit. Like, I mean, yeah. it, 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 Tannehill's confident in him. He's going to throw to him without hesitation. He's and he's he, on the he, field. Yeah, he. This guy is going to get snaps. Unquestioned. How, how has Woods? He's been? also a special teams weapon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's looked really good there. Also. How has Woods been? 
Woods, uh, you know, has been consistent, but he's not been in He wasn't in this team stuff today. And so there's still, you know, the knee has never risen to be an issue, but they've also, you know, given him uh, some, some limitations in terms of how many snaps he gets. Derek Henry, you know, is a surprise that he, he yep. got some runs with the first team offense in some of this uh, stuff early. I, I um, wrote it out, kid. And usually you don't see him at all. Back in June, I, I don't believe they plan on using Derrick Henry any less than they did last I year. Don't either. And you start looking at the start of the season for them, they're looking, they're searching for consistency at right tackle. At times, you'll want help on both sides. I think they're going to load up too tight. That's going to be their base offense, unlike last year when Downing was known for playing 11 personnel in Oakland. He played a lot of 11 personnel here. Uh, in his first year calling plays for the Titans. Uh, I think they get back to what they did so well in 2020, which is more 12, uh, two tight ends, uh, in that in that personnel with Chigaquanquo, and then their number one tight end in Austin Hooper. I want to touch on it in a moment. But I think they're going to give the ball early and often to Derrick Henry to help stabilize the offense while we wait on the offensive line to come together. And while they wait on these pieces, on new pieces on offense, Hooper, Robert Woods, of uh, Traylon Burks, who is very inconsistent on when he's available and what he's doing as one preseason catch, that in part is due to who he's on the field with at quarterback and Malik Willis, who wouldn't pull the trigger in Baltimore and did some but not nearly enough this past week uh, in preseason action against Tampa. Um, and I, I think because of that, Paul, they're going to load up and just go with the run and go with kind of the same game plan as last year. I think so. And the defense, which stands to be better, though it's time to start wondering about Danico Autry who has done the least in this camp of anybody that they're counting on. Very limited action. And I saw him today uh, early working with uh, a coach, a one-on-one. And, I uh, think he's okay. He's got a very highly taped right wrist, uh, which is the first I've, I've seen of that. I think he's okay, too. But uh, it's interesting that he's been the guy, and we haven't talked much about the fact that he's not in the mix there. Uh, hasn't been so far I, with the tight end thing. Another factor here, and we know Tim Kelly likes two tight ends. Um, he he was spearheaded that a lot for the Texans. He's working with the tight ends. He looks like the tight ends coach over Luke Steckel, but they're working together with the tight ends at any rate. I put out a video today. They did a drill during individual where uh, the tight ends were taking on one of those two coaches and basically throwing them back to land on a, a big uh, cushion pad um but kelly has a super understanding of those tight ends i would think because he's working with them on a micro level not just in the macro level of Hmm. the uh passing game coordinator but as what looks like a co-tight end coach here here is the big difference between todd downing and arthur smith and what i think they need to get back to because they set some offensive records as a franchise in 2020 and Tannehill was extremely good in 2020 uh, last season, they ran 228 offensive plays, 92 pass plays out of 12 personnel. Compare that to 2020, 152 pass plays out of 12 personnel and a total of 350 snaps on too tight. They averaged in 2020 145 yards of total offense per game in 12 personnel. Last year, it was 69 yards per game. So th- that's significant. That is a huge drop-off. Now, 11 personnel last year, 659 total snaps. 422 of those snaps were passes. 
They allowed 38 sacks. I think that's standard. Most of your sacks are going to come when you're not in mass protect, which you can do in 12. But compare that to what Arthur Smith did in 2020. Again, last year, 11 personnel, 659 total plays. 2020 with Arthur Smith, 406 offensive plays in 11, 251 pass plays to 422 last year. That's got to flip. And another root of this, uh, you hate to keep going back to it, is the absence of A.J. Brown, right? They don't have a reason to, to have three wide receivers on the field. Last year, they felt like they had those receivers. This year, they clearly don't. Plus, they have two new tight ends in Hooper and Aquanquo. Um, so you're talking about personnel change. But today, Hutton, and we haven't mentioned it, we've talked twice now about how bad the two-minute offense was. And, and it was a dink and dunk thing that, that came apart and didn't work. But what was missing there, the thing that can fix all of that, is one big play downfield or one guy who sheds some tackles in Yak, and that guy's A.J. Brown, and there's no replacement for that right now. You know, they hope Burks becomes that. Woods is not that. I'm not saying these guys aren't going to make big plays. But that big playmaker who you think, well, things are going really bad in this two-minute drive, but one pass to A.J. Brown could get him out of this trouble, get him not just a first down, right, but get him a chunk play where they flip the field and they're 30 yards downfield that, and they're okay in two minutes. That doesn't exist right the now. The day we came in, we were outside of Six and Peabody after they traded him, and I said, they have just traded away their game-breaker. When you needed uh, – we, we can look at a number on a sheet of paper. What they're not going to quantify are the game-changing plays he made to set up a game-winning field goal in Houston or the one-handed uh, trapeze artist-like catch he made against Jacksonville down the sideline that was a slugfest, like a 6-3 game, and then he breaks it open. Um, a catch-and-run over the middle that gains more than just 13 yards, but he's able to uh, keep a drive alive on a fourth-down play. Uh, what he did against San Francisco last year on Thursday Night Football. He won the game Second for half, won yeah, the game. I mean, it's, there are many examples, even back to his rookie season, where if he didn't take over a game, he took over a moment that stacks up and allows the Titans to continue to win despite them having no business being the number one seed a year ago uh, with their injury concerns and how they were depleted and how many players came through that locker room. They, they don't necessarily have to replace in one player A.J. Brown's production. But Traylon Burks needs to come in and replace some of those big moments. Explosives. He came up with some massive plays at Arkansas, and he's built in a very same similar frame to A.J. They, Tannehill, to what Paul's saying, Chad, whenever he would need a big play, he would throw it up. He would allow A.J. to come down with the football and make a play. And... While you may not be able to replicate 1,200 yards receiving or whatever number you want to put on it, they have to have some game-changing moments at the wide receiver border uh, on, the, on, the, on the numbers yeah. aspect of the field because that's what A.J. gave you. Well, and it's <clears throat> Traylon Burks is the most likely candidate for where he was drafted and his skill set at Arkansas. <clears throat> they're going to need Robert Woods. They're going to need to, this is going to have to be by committee in terms of big moment stealing mm-hmm. for this team. I, I don't, you said it, Hutton. We're not going to have that in one player to replace A.J. Brown and that ability that Doesn't he had. Doesn't look like it. But they're going to need the committee to step up 
and be capable of rising to the occasion with those big moments. And you and can I'm have not, both. I'm not sitting here saying they can't. We saw Traylon Burks do that at Arkansas. We just haven't seen it yet here. We need to see it here, and I think that Woods is capable also of, of making some big plays for this team. So between the two of them, could you get to a level approaching those moments from A.J. Brown? That, that's the big question mark. But And I'll say, by committee, I, I never want by committee as opposed to by individual if I could get the individual. It's a Stars League. You want one guy that can do it. You'd like multiple guys that can do it, but that singularity of it as opposed to asking for a whole group to combine to do it are two vastly different things. I'm not arguing with your idea that if they get it, they're going to get it from, from multiple people. And this is not just about last year. I mean, even in 2020, you, you can still have a superb passing attack and have a 2,000-yard rusher. I mean, they, uh, uh, A.J. was an 1,100-yard receiver the same year that Henry rushed for 2,000. So it's, it's not unheard of. They, they put together a great package of offense two years ago. They, they need a similar version of that. Hooper um, is one of the players, correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, I don't recall not seeing Austin Hooper on the practice field. Yeah, I think Hooper's been out there I, every, every day. day, not even you know, a forced not, veteran day yeah, off. Yeah, and I think that's intentional with and him and Tannehill. And he worked a ton during those special teams periods where the quarterbacks have no obligations. They're standing around with Downing and with Kelly – and invariably, Hooper has been there, uh, and Woods often as well. From the Titans and Cardinals to, let's go to Knoxville, where the Vols are about to hit game week, starting tomorrow. It'll be officially game week for the Tennessee Volunteers. What's the one biggest concern, Chad, that you have as we are now eight days away from kickoff? Brew McCoy's eligibility status, because he's a starting wide receiver right now for Tennessee. And what we saw a year ago with this Tennessee coaching staff is... They don't play a lot of guys. When they get confident with a three-pack of receivers, they're going to run them out there and play them a lot. Now, that could be a byproduct of a lack of depth of the position a year ago. Could be a byproduct of Cedric Tillman, Javante Payton, Valus Jones Jr. were just that much better than the next guys in the rotation, so they kept them out there the majority of the time. Either way, the three best receivers right now for Tennessee are Cedric Tillman, who is in line for a monster season. Jalen Hyatt, who was a big-time recruit that has shown some promise but not delivered on expectations yet, but looks a lot better going into this season. He'll be in the slot. Their third receiver is Brew McCoy. He's the other outside receiver opposite of Cedric Tillman. So knowing whether or not he's going to be able to play, starting with game one against Ball State, that's a big one for Tennessee. That's the biggest question mark I have with this team. And then just in general – Everyone wants to talk about this team being deeper and on the practice field looking like they've improved their depth, and they have through another year of recruiting. Is Josh Heupel going to use that depth? I think there were times a year ago, guys, where he was way too reluctant in blowout games to get his starters out of the game. Hendon Hooker does not need to be playing in the fourth quarter when the game has been decided for over a quarter and a half against Missouri, for example. I think there were times that he was way too slow to get some guys out and get some guys some time and experience. That's a big part of it also. I'm going to be watching this Ball State game, a game Tennessee should handle with ease, but I want to see how quickly he gets some guys rotated in to this game to, to not, not just hand the ball off and run the clock out, but to see what you have, to get some guys some experience because when you get into the meat of that SEC schedule in late October, you're going to need all that depth and you're going to need fresh bodies 
especially when you're snapping the ball every six seconds. I'm eager to see how Hendon Hooker in year two of this offense is able to uh, use the clock and game management to Tennessee's favor because I think that now becomes easier as he's been entrenched in this in this Hypel offense. And I think I think that's where I, I I believe that's what Hypel means when he says the op, can the offense be better or faster than it was a year ago? He goes, well, yes, we can be more efficient in certain areas. I think that's where the efficiency really takes an uptick is with the quarterback in certain moments, two minute drill, or if you get to the line and you need to run a bit of clock, right? Like if a ver- their version of a four minute offense might be winding the clock down an extra twenty seconds before you snap it. Like I think the 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 veteran savvy of Hooker there in year two of this offense, which fits him very well, I think we see that early and often against Ball State a week from tomorrow. So uh, Ball State uh, comes to Tennessee. That kicks off next week's week one of college football. Of course, Vanderbilt and Hawaii will kick off this Saturday night at 9 o'clock Eastern. Louisiana Tech visits Missouri. So you've got Tennessee and Missouri both playing on uh, Thursday night on September the 1st to kick off week one. The other conference slate of games, A&M and Sam Houston, Arkansas-Cincinnati, Georgia and Oregon, both of those games kicking off at the same time at 3.30 Eastern on ESPN and ABC. big time to be watching some games. Ole Miss and Troy, Vanderbilt and Elon, Auburn takes on Mercer, Kentucky will host Miami of Ohio, Florida hosts number seven Utah, the Pac- uh, the Pac-12 favorite to win the That's championship. That's a night game, That's right? Worth Seven o'clock under the lights yep. on ESPN in Gainesville at the Swamp, Mississippi State, and Memphis. That was a great game last year. That was screwed. They were screwed over by the the officials late in the fourth quarter on that kickoff return. Um, Mississippi State now gets Memphis at home this year. That's on ESPNU. South Carolina, Georgia State, Alabama, Utah State. Those are your games for Saturday, September 3rd. And I should also throw in their LSU-Florida State. They play on Sunday, September the 4th, a night game on ABC at the Superdome. Also, um, a nice little break for Utah to get a night game in the Swamp at this point of the year. Yeah, that's a <laughs> Because good point. That, that's a big difference going from the elevation of Salt Lake City, cooler air, and then going to the Swamp and all that heat and humidity. Playing at 230 Versus playing at 7 o'clock is a big difference for that one. And to get the college football season kicked off right, we'll actually be in Knoxville next Thursday with a show at Old City Sports Bar. We'll be telling you more about getting you ready for all the college football games over the weekend. We'll just happen to be in a town where a game will be played that night between Tennessee and Ball State. Jeff Clark with Outkick Bets joins us next from Outkick.com on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, 
Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. DraftKings.com with an excellent offer for you. For new users, you can download the DraftKings app. You bet $5 to get $200 instantly for all new DraftKings users. You must be 21 years or older, and this is for first-time DraftKings Sportsbook customers only. Make a deposit of at least 5 bucks in your Sportsbook account, then wager at least $5 on NFL or college football games between now and week two of the NFL season, which runs through September 19th. By doing that, you'll receive $200 instantly in addition to any cash winnings from your original wager once it settles. We need to figure out on Outkick 360 how we're going to wager week one of the college football season and NFL for that matter. And with more, Jeff Clark joins us, Outkick Bets, Outkick.com. Jeff, great to have you on board, man. Hope you're well. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me, fellas. I'm excited to be talking football with you. Only a couple more days, work days here until we can finally gamble on some football there's light at the end of the tunnel i might be overcome with emotion come saturday but i <laughs> i'm i'm pretty excited for uh this upcoming weekend what's your favorite bet so far for week one of college football week zero we should say this saturday which one jumps out to you the most well um most of my uh college football handicapping is um within the power five conferences so i'm looking at that um, that Nebraska Northwestern matchup that's going to be in Ireland. Um, the only, I think, power five matchup of the opening weekend of college football. I don't want to say week zero. I know that will <laughs> possibly get you guys yeah, frustrated. Same. Um, but you know, I lean towards Northwestern plus the points, but I uh, placed a bet earlier this morning on the under 49 and a half. That's my favorite look in that game. We are getting. Uh, the worst of the number by far, which really stinks. It opened at 55 and a half at Circa, which is a major market making uh, sports book out in Vegas. Um, but I, I think there's value in this number all the way down to 48. Um, as we know, uh, Nebraska has been very disappointing under Scott Frost. This is his fifth season and he's, um, he's, he's uh, fighting to keep his job and to protect his, his spot over there at, at Nebraska. They've pretty much overhauled. Uh, most of the offensive personnel, they brought in uh, Mark Whipple from from Pittsburgh and a lateral move from Mark Whipple. Um, and they go from Adrian Martinez to uh, Texas transfer Casey Thompson. Now, Casey Thompson has a lot more upside and is a lot better of a quarterback and his upgrade over Adrian Martinez. But the fact of the matter is they pretty much uh, revolved that entire offense around Adrian Martinez. So. 
Um, they're they're going to have to revamp it um, around the new quarterback and a new system, and that's going to take time. And based on what we've seen out of Scott Frost uh, thus far in his Nebraska tenure, I don't trust him to have Nebraska's offense clicking on all cylinders uh, come the opening weekend. So that's one of the reasons why I like the under. Um, also, Nebraska did lose. Uh, they're all Big Ten center. They're all Big Ten tight end, and they're deep threat uh, wide receiver. But over to Northwestern, their their offense is just pretty terrible, right? Um, they're not going to help out the over here very much. And um, but what they can do on offense, they're they're um, I guess strength on offense, probably their offensive line, right? They're returning four offensive linemen starters, um, and most not- notably the left tackle. Um, who's projected to go in the the, the first half of the, or the first round. So I think Northwestern is going to be able to eat the clock, uh, run the ball, um, control the clock, and control the the, the pace of this game. And um, because of their, their weak quarterback and weak offense, I don't expect them to be hitting Pater very often. So I think there's going to be a lot of running clock or a lot of Offensive miscues, and uh, I think this this number does fall short of the total. And there are a lot of um, there are a lot of trends supporting that as well. Um, but I, I do ultimately like this this game to go under forty nine and a half. Jeff, let's stay in the Big Ten since we started there with that game. Are are there any win loss over unders right now that that jump out to you across the conference that you would be jumping on right now when when you look at the Big Ten? At the Big Ten, not really, uh, to be honest. I mean, the only, like, I have one conference play that I think would fit into the show pretty, or uh, one conference winner that that I love to talk to you guys about. Yeah. But honestly, if I was to play, like, I, I don't really like the win total um, price points here in the Big Ten. I know this sounds like a square play. I'm going to follow it up with an even square play, but, like, <laughs> The Georgia to win their division, Alabama to win their division, and Ohio State to win their division. If you parlay all three of those, it's minus 128. Um, I don't know. Uh, minus 128 over at DraftKings. I don't know which one of those teams loses out. Um, sorry, I don't have a, a, a better answer for your Big Ten well, that, that's win-loss. Good. That, also, that also tells you where we are in college football, yeah. where you can parlay those three and, still, and the odds are still against you. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another no-brainer we can yeah. throw on top of that also, see if we can get even a little better odds on it. But I like how those do you, three. How do you feel about Utah traveling in week one to Gainesville against Florida? Right now, the Gators are, are getting two and a half points. It opened, I believe, at one, one and a half. Um, many people are at least in the southeast region, thinking that Florida is the more physical of the two teams, and that's why they may look to, to take the Gators outright. I said earlier, Jeff, I'm, I'm not buying it, and I think Utah is worth the hype right now. Uh, I'm not buying that either. Um, Florida obviously is, um, changed, have changed their head coach, went to Billy Napier, who I think could be an improvement and, and could have Florida going in the right direction eventually. But Utah is one of the more underrated programs in, in college football. Kyle Whittingham has had that uh, program um, and uh, an elite status for a long time here. So, and they're coming in with a, with a whole bunch of talent. Uh, the kid Cameron rising could play a little bit. Um, the running back they have Tavian Thomas is his name. could play a little bit. Um, you said Florida is only getting two and a half right now at home. Yep. 
Um, that's that's kind of concerning because I would have that more towards Utah uh, minus three and a half. It feels like a trap, right? But I maybe wouldn't want to overthink it and just take Utah to, to win by a field goal there. Feels like a pretty good look. Um, I know there's like the SEC boost in the betting market, um, but I do also ultimately think Utah is underrated. Um, saying that though, um, and actually contrary to it, you guys might be pretty disappointed in this. And this, I, I'm looking for some feedback here, even though I already have the bet in my account, but I'm taking USC plus 220 to win the Pac-12. Um, you know, I, I think it's a question. I, I believe it's a question of when, not if Lincoln Riley and USC just dominates the PAC 12. Um, obviously, as I just said, Kyle Winningham is a star uh, or is an awesome coach. Utah is an underrated program, but I think Lincoln Riley is going to be an immediate success at the PAC 12, just like he was in the big 12. Um, the the PAC 12 is by far the softest conference out of the Power Five in college football. And what really excites me about Lincoln Riley going to USC is what he did in his first three years uh, for Oklahoma. Granted, he inherited a much better program uh, from Bob Stoops than he's getting from Clay Helton at USC. But in his first three years at Oklahoma, they won three Big 12 titles and made the college football playoffs three times. He had three, all three quarterbacks uh, were Heisman finalists. The first two won the Heisman. I'm talking about Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and then Jalen Hurts, of course. And then Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray both went first in the draft. Um, and all three of them started an NFL playoff game already. So um, the way I interpret that is, is essentially – Lincoln Riley is a quarterback whisperer. They he brought Caleb Williams with him over from Oklahoma. Caleb Williams broke Trevor Lawrence's uh, PFF record uh, grade, excuse me, uh, record grade for, as a freshman. They also brought the Bolitnikoff winner Jordan Addison with them. Um, or Lincoln Riley hit the transfer portal really hard. Brought um, Jordan Addison with them. Mario Williams, Brendan Rice as well. Um, there's obvious question marks with the defense at USC, but Lincoln Riley also brought defensive coordinator Alex Grinch with him. And every college football uh, betting analyst that I've ever heard just loves Alex Grinch. So I do think the defense improves just enough and the offense is just going to I think Caleb Williams is going to absolutely light up the Pac-12. Jeff Clark um, is with Outkick Bets, uh, Outkick.com contributor, and he's with us on Outkick 360. Well, let's flip to NFL, Jeff. You, you uh, didn't like any of the over-unders necessarily in the Big Ten. Do you have one or two in the NFL that you think stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, I can give you two teams that I'm high on right now coming into the, uh, coming into the NFL season. Um, one, it's becoming pretty popular, which is a bummer, but I, I love this New Orleans Saints team. They have a pretty soft strength of schedule. They're ninth, um, the ninth uh, ranked schedule, ninth easiest schedule per Vegas win total. And barring injury, their defense should be top three. I mean, it's been overrated for years. They're fourth in defensive EPA per play and second in success rate over the last three years. Now, the looks that I, I like here for the New Orleans Saints, um, 
I think they're 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 priced to make the playoffs at plus one one twenty five is a relative lock. I like love that number. I already have that in my account. I sprinkled on their alt win total, which is nine and a half and plus one seventy five over at DraftKings. I'm taking them to win the NFC South at plus three ten. I don't hate Dennis Allen as coach of the year at plus three thousand. Um, and I even sprinkled. Um, uh, bills to meet the Saints in the Super Bowl at plus 10,000. So I have a lot of action in the New Orleans Saints, but um, I really like uh, the, the pieces they have around Jameis uh, Winston. Obviously, he needs to have his best season, but you know, getting back former offense player of the year, Michael Thomas is huge. Chris Olave has got the best odds to lead the rookie wide receivers and rushing or receiving yards. And Jarvis Landry is probably one of the better slot wide receivers in the NFL. So um, I would just go over their all win total nine and a half at plus 175. Um, that's, that's definitely a safer look than the NFC South price, just because Tampa Bay could also win 11, 12 games and, and, and edge them out in that, uh, in that division. But I mean, they own Tampa Bay, <laughs> like they're four and um, since Tom Brady joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, two seasons ago. So I really like the saints. Um, an AFC team that I'm that I'm that I'm liking here. Uh, I, I like the Bills, obviously, but everyone likes the Bills. There really isn't any value in their betting markets. But I'm going to stay in the AFC East. I'm going to hit the Miami Dolphins over nine, which is at even money right now, uh, plus one hundred. Uh, ultimately, I think the market's just too low on on Tua, and I'm I'm going to buy his stock at a low point. Uh, he has a sixty six percent completion percentage. Uh, in his 21 games as a starter, 27 touchdowns, of five, uh, 15 interceptions. And this is playing with uh, two different offensive coordinators, two different playbooks, and a defensive-minded head coach that reportedly hated him. <laughs> so I think adding um, adding Tyreek Hill uh, to uh, to a wide receiver core with with Jalen Waddle, who, who was awesome as a rookie. They also added Cedric Wilson. Mike Gusecki is a great pass catching tight end. They uh, beefed up the backfield a little bit with uh, Moster and uh, Chase Edmonds, and they do have a bad offensive line, but at least they're putting resources into it. And they acquired Taron Ar- Armstead uh, from the Saints. So I do like the M- Miami Dolphins, and it's it's an even money uh, number uh, over nine at plus one hundred. Jeff Clark has been our guest. Uh, just so he mentioned the the Saints, the the story out of Vegas. Someone, I guess, while they were waiting on Brady over this eleven day hiatus to come back, someone put down two hundred fifty bucks on the Bucks to have the worst record in the NFL. That bet is it pays four fifty to one, uh, would net them one hundred and twelve thousand dollars if something like if Brady decided to retire and then they went forward with that's a backup quarterback. It's a smart bet. 250 bucks going down. Uh, to win $112,000. I don't know if he feels foolish about that now with Brady back in the mix. Uh, the but Jeff's at least leaning that way. Maybe not the worst record in the NFL, but he's not saying that they're coming back and winning the uh, NFC South because he's very high on the Saints. I would be high on the Saints as well if Sean Payton remained the head coach. I don't know if I, if I uh, am on board with Dennis Allen um, going to the Super Bowl. I understand that, uh, but we've seen first-year head coaches be very successful when they've ha- inherited talented rosters. You know, George Seifert comes to mind, uh, Barry Switzer, um, blanking on more of a recent example. It's a fair point. I mean, Sean uh, Sean Payton is 
awesome, iconic coach, probably going to be Dallas Cowboys next coach. Yeah. But I think Dennis Allen could, could hold it down for a couple seasons. I mean, if we were to project out five years, I'm not as sold on Dennis Allen, but next season, I think he'll be all right. Jeff, great to have you with Outkick, man. And uh, we look forward to reading your work at, at Outkick Bets and uh, everything at Outkick.com right now. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me, fellas. And I can't wait for the football season. Great show. And and, and thanks for having me. It's yeah, close. You. It is close. Thanks, Jeff. You can download the DraftKings app. You can bet five. You instantly get 200 bucks in your account. Yes. And you can go to Outkick.com slash bets for all of Jeff's content and more. Uh, right now at the site. Uh, great to have him a, a, a part of the, the OutKick crew. Um, coming up, the latest from the NFL, from all the big headlines from today, Pickett and Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky was asked how he's performed through this preseason. His quote is interesting because he can feel Kenny Pickett. Pickett is, is charging towards the number one job. Some hot breath the back of his neck. He can, he can feel it. Kenny Pickett's. What Trubisky had to say about that and his overall play, how he would describe his preseason performance. It's, I don't know. I don't know if we would use the same language uh, in the description. Trubisky in his quote is next and I'll kick 360. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So before we dive into Mitchell Trubisky's quotes about his preseason performance, I do want to say he's played well. Like Kenny Pickett has been very good. So has Mitchell Trubisky, who's trying to hold off the rookie. Trubisky is 9 of 15 passing in the preseason games. By all accounts, he's been good in practice. 9 of 15 in preseason games for 123 yards and a touchdown. And he's also scrambled a few times. I think he has 15 to 20 yards rushing. But he was asked to assess his preseason performance because everyone there is talking about Kenny Pickett. It's been a limited sample, but I think I've done a lot of great things in practice, a lot of good throws in the game. Just focus on what we can improve on as a unit right now, and that's staying on the field on third down and going down and finishing with some points, especially last game. would like to stay on the field a little longer and finish in the end zone. We're just looking to see what we can improve on and keep doing that. But I've done a lot of great things so far, and I feel really comfortable with where I'm at and how I'm throwing the football and how I'm learning the playbook and going through all my reads so far. So he is, I don't want to say he's the only one that's praising Mitchell Trubisky. Like Trubisky's the only one saying this about Trubisky because he has been good. But he has to know, no matter how good he is, if Pickett keeps this up, Kenny Pickett is taking over that job, right? Yes. No matter. Well, I mean, the, the exception is if Trubisky starts the season and they're 4-0. and Right. You know, without him playing great because they're going to be a run-centered defensive football team, um, which is at the heart of what the Steelers, uh, you know, want to do here, then there could be a scenario. Well, where he can't – Kenny Pickett's not going to win the job in practice. 
So what I mean by that is, if Trubisky's good, he has nothing to worry about in the games. Right. If he stumbles at all, it's going to be an easy hook to go to Kenny Pickett with his upside, knowing what they've seen in preseason games, knowing what they've seen in practice. My point is, a stellar Kenny Pickett week of game practice slate is not going to get him the job. Mitchell Trubisky playing poorly will get him the job. I, I thought initially, you know what, slow play this, don't throw the rookie into the fire. I've changed my tune on Pickett because of the first round status. Omar Khan in year number one, uh, clearly, I mean, they have hand-selected this uh, going back to the draft when the regime change happened. You still have Tomlin. There. I mean, they, they have their guy. I, I'm more now leaning towards the idea of you get that guy in sooner rather than later instead of just letting this play out over a year or so. I would try to get picket reps and get him going as a first-round pick. It's different. To me, the investment's just different um, for a, a later-round pick in this class. But he he's met – if he hasn't exceeded expectations in camp and in preseason, he has met them, right? It's interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, it's interesting because it's been a long, long time uh, in Pittsburgh – between uh, quarterbacks, uh, uh, without without a quarterback change, but I do have faith that Mike Tomlin and his sensibility will prevail uh, here for them. And he's not as popular in Pittsburgh as he is around the country, Tomlin, because in Pittsburgh they feel like they should have won more right, and right. been more competitive. But um, those poor I think they're fans. in pretty safe hands. Yeah, they'll make the right call. He's not going to rush anything, but at the same time, like. If you've got your guy and you kind of know it's time to get the ball rolling on this and you don't need a season of development, let him roll with the rookie. I don't care what you're paying Trubisky because I think we kind of know the ceiling of Mitchell Trubisky. He can be good, but not great, right? We, we agree there. Yeah. Um, I think you, you draft Pickett because you feel like he can be great, the next great quarterback. And, I mean, if he's good there, it's it's in large degree of function of uh, not just the, the style of offense that I'm talking about where maybe you don't ask him to do a lot and, and it's a defensive running football team. But, um, you know, Chicago didn't do a good job with the guy. And for one year in Buffalo, he didn't play. You know, he got to watch Josh Allen and, and a good offense work. So what have Steelers coaches been able to do with him with their hands on him as kind of a unknown entity with good coaching in a better situation with a better team? Our thanks to Jeff Clark for joining us today from Outkick.com. Coming up tomorrow, Armando Salguero and Trey Wallace on the show. More football discussion to get you ready for the college football kickoff and then the NFL season's just We're around so the corner. We're so close. We've almost made it, guys. We are right there. Tomorrow will be two days away from college football kicking off for week zero, our favorite week of the year. That's right. Back at it tomorrow, 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern. Read it, live it, don't block the box, but do lock your locks.